Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Velocity TV. Tough talk today, Aaron, on scaling your business. We're going to deviate from the specificity of sales talk today, although there will be some sales talk tied in here, of course. Um, but we get these questions a lot. What are, you know, I'm at a sticking point in my business. How do I scale? What do I need to focus on operations, marketing, sales, fulfillment? And the answer is yes to all of it, but there's a way and a system and an approach, and we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, man. Happy Friday. Good to see your face again. Ooh, I look bright today. You're looking bright. I can unbright you, by the way, here. I have some very powerful yeah. tools here in my studio. See, is that I a must little, be, Oh, look at that. Is you that just a little better? Just took me right down. Yeah, you I know, like I'm, it. I'm, I'm just, in case you were about to ask, I'm sporting the camo today in recognition of Memorial Day here in the U.S. You're not in the U.S. Many of our listeners are not. So sporting the camo, special thanks to our veterans, those who've served, those who've protected our freedom and the opportunity to live in this great country. So there we go. And this is a great shirt. Oh, very comfy, by the way. It, it, it looks, looks fits, fits you well. What are you, like 7% body fat now? Yeah, touch less, to, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't want to insult you. You're like, oh, man, you really <laughs> keep an eye. It was a loaded question, like, because you were probably like, he really shouldn't know the answer, right? <laughs> no, no, I knew you would know the answer down to the decimal. What are you, like 6.6 and you're insulted? Like six and a half, something like that. <laughs> I think that the veterans thing is super important to me. You know, there's everybody has differing opinions on that. Our opinions are very clear. Um, you know, I believe that that we can do what we can do because we've got stability, we've got safety, we keep the bad guys away. You know, people make commitments to low-paying, high-stress, you know, positions in the military, um, and those people that just don't understand that they uh, they just don't understand that freedom isn't free, right? So freedom isn't free. You got to recognize those who protect and serve, no doubt about it. So happy Memorial Day to all of you that are here in the U.S. Little holiday on Monday. No such thing as a holiday in our world, though. I'm sure it'll be a regular work day. But a well, good one here today. That's that's the kind of the point of what we're talking about today. Is if you do this right, you take a holiday whenever you want. True. Right. If True you don't that. do this right, you're getting no holidays forever. Yeah, and okay. let's talk about what this is because uh, scaling is big. Scaling is important. Scaling is what everybody wants to do, but I feel like you earn the right to scale. I don't think you can just go, hey, I want to scale my business, and you go scale your business. I feel like I feel like there's stepping stones along the way. Tell me if you agree where you, you, you hit a certain level and you know maybe you, you pull back a little bit. It's almost like a, like a stair-step incline, right? Like you don't ever see a company scale like this. They tend to scale like this. Right. It's Correct. A, it's a stair step. And I think that you have to wrap your head around that, because if you think you're going to be on this trajectory and we see them at times, it's very exciting when you're on a trajectory that seems straight up. But pragmatically, you're never going to be straight up all the time. So I want to talk a little bit about that stair step path that it takes to scale today. You agree? Yeah, I can't, I, I, yeah, I can't remember who I was listening to the other day. It was like Naval or Pinder. I can't remember who it was, but basically what he was saying is that, you know, you can almost tell a business's decline speed by the, by the trajectory of their incline speed, right? So if you, he basically said, if you see a business grow by 300% three years in a row, mm -hmm. he said, I can almost guarantee you there's a dumpster fire burning in the operation side of their Just business. Just too fast, too aggressive, too high velocity for any sustainability, yeah, and, basically. And, and humans, like, we're, we're designed different, right? Whether it's, it's uh, genetics or God or whatever you want to call it, we're, we're designed to reach. We're designed to keep pushing the limits. We're designed to gamble. Yep. You know, so when we see something that's good, our first inclination is let's go faster, right? And press, press that, the gas. Yeah, let's press the gas. Ooh, I'm, I'm making sales. Let's, let's press the gas. I've got, I've got the bull by the horns. Let's, let's go. And the challenge with that is that we have to almost fight our own, you know, our own wiring, our own motivations to do it the right way. And, you know, Andrew, you and I see this all the time. I mean, I've, we've, we've got a ton of clients that come to us and they might be doing, 
you know, $200,000 a month in revenue and they're on this trajectory and they're like, how do I do a million a month? Can, can we do that like in the next 60, 90 days? And I don't know the reality is things. you, you can't do it right. You can't do it properly without breaking a lot of stuff. And I think that everybody wants to focus on the sexy, the sexy stuff first. You know, we're going to talk yeah, today about yeah. pretty much sales, marketing, and operations, right? Those are yeah. the three key pillars. The three, to scaling the three buckets here in scaling Absolutely. is having a really good game plan around your operations, your marketing agenda, and your sales process. Absolutely. And they, and they overlap, right? Like yeah, everybody they thinks they're, they're these independent pillars, but the reality is, is there's a little bit of marketing and sales. There's a little bit of sales in operations, you know, and it's this kind of this wheel that goes around and around and they're kind of yeah. overlapping a little bit. Right. And the first thing I think that, that we want to talk about today is the thing that nobody wants to talk about, which is the operational side of your business, right? What you can almost translate the word operations to customer experience, right? Because 99% of what happens in your operation side of your business is directly connected to your fulfillment. Mm -hmm. It's your customer service. It's your, your, your shipping, it's your product delivery. It's your, um, execution with your team. It's all these different pieces, right? The great thing about where we're at today in the business world is it's never been faster or easier to, to get in front of people, right? With all of the, the networks that are available from TikTok to Snap to Google to Facebook to Instagram to YouTube to blah, blah, television, radio, like you can, you can tap into anything within two hours, mm. right? So it's never been easier, which actually makes it more dangerous because we're, we're, we're so motivated by the more, the more leads, more sales, we put the cart before the horse, right? What we should be asking ourselves before we do anything is how do I design the ultimate customer experience? How do I make sure that all of my fulfillment side of my business is a level is has the wow factor is going to give the customer a feeling of like, wow, I'm so happy that I decided to do business with this company. Because if you don't get that figured out first and you go jam a bunch of people, customers, leads, sales into your front end, right? The dark side of how easy it is to, to get leads and sales now is that the other side is it's never been easier for customers to talk about how shitty their experience was with you. Yeah, it's a very transparent world today on the internet. You know, they used to say like one, one bad customer will tell, there was an old, old, you might know the quote, like one bad customer will tell a hundred people. Yeah. Right, this was like in the 80s when like you had a furniture store or a pharmacy or something in no a small internet. town. No right? internet. Yeah, the internet's probably what, 10 x Yeah. That, I mean, one post on Facebook of like, oh, I ordered this thing from this company and it didn't arrive for three and a half weeks. I mean, you... Yeah, and listen, people are mean today. Even if it's not true, they'll post it. So you got to be really careful. I think you just nailed it. I think that you have to be razor sharp with how you operate prior to bringing anything in, any leads, any sales. And like you said, because there's just so much risk of slippage. Right. You can't yeah. risk slippage today. I mean, you don't want to anyways. It's not all about how hey, you're going to get a bad comment on Facebook. It's the fact that you're not going to be able to scale something if you can't keep your customers happy and you don't develop them. Right. Absolutely. You're not going to maximize your average order value. You're not going to maximize the lifetime value of that person coming back. They you're won't not going refer. To maximize they won't the, send. Right. You're not going to maximize the experience where they'll talk to other people and refer you. Mm -hmm. Right. And we talk about models, I think, a lot on this, Andrew and and. For me, one of the first things I look at with companies is everyone likes to talk about their sales model and their marketing model, but they don't like to talk about their operations model. It, it's not as exciting. Right? It's not as exciting. It's not as exciting, and, and it's not it's, as exciting for boring. me. It's a little bit way. boring. Right? It's internal. Nobody sees it. It's kind of boring. I, to be honest, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Operations is not my jam at all. I'm a promoter 
I'm a sales guy. I'm an idea guy, mm-hmm. right? But when we start off in our, our businesses, typically you start as a one-man show and you become a two-man show, three-man show, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. The most important hire for me in almost every business that I've had has been my operations manager or my COO. We were just talking about that actually for our company before the call. That's interesting that you mm-hmm. say that. And it I knew is- that about you, but that I didn't realize how much emphasis you had on that role. Yeah, because I'm not good at it, yeah. right? I like the new, I like the creative, I like the ideation, I like the I like the scale, right? We talk about scale, I don't think scale operations, I think more leads, more sales, like that's how I'm, I'm But wired. you're also smart enough to know that you're not gonna dump them into a, a poor operation. Well, and I've done it, I've yeah. done it in the past and I've You've done both, what? Dump them into poor and dump them into good. You've seen it all, right? Uh, absolutely, it. right? And so as you as you start to think to yourself, I got something, you know? Uh, I think that this could be 10, 20, 100x the size. Mm-hmm. The most important hire for me has been a competent COO. And they are not at all like me. In fact, I butt heads with my COO. A different all skill the time. set. It's a different personality. Completely different. They're more analytical. They, they've usually done a ton of project management education. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very organized. Uh, they're, they're about the development of your team, the culture of your team. They're about systems or about SOPs they're about procedures. And, and usually, you know, I'm at, I'm at odds with my COO because I'm like, well, I think we could take on 10 new clients this month. And she'll say to me, uh, no, uh, we've already defined that the maximum we can take is six and you're not bringing 10 on. And I go, yeah, but there's, I mean, this is a great opportunity. And she goes, no, you're not. That's it. Right. Like we butt heads all the time because she knows the model that we have in our company. You know, we've got it broken down into like business units. Right. So it takes X amount of people to have the ultimate experience for X amount of customers. Once we go beyond that, things start to break. Then we've got to hire people. We've got to train them. We've got to onboard them. We've got to get them into like knowing what your model is, whether you're selling widgets and you need to know how early you need to order those, how long it's gonna to take to ship, how many shipping people you need to have, how many customer service people you need to have for X amount of orders, right? You have to have that model in place and not stray from it. Because the moment that you stray from it, it becomes that dumpster fire in your business. And until you really have that clearly defined, you haven't earned the right to go and scale it with more leads and sales. And that's kind of what I meant in the beginning by you earn the right. You sort of graduate to this over time, right? That's why it's stair-step incline, not straight-up incline, right? As you get to a certain point where it's like, okay, I'm going to now invest in the systems internally so that I can go out and invest in the traffic and the media. Where most just want to dive into the traffic and the media and they'll sort of worry about the operations Later, once we get sales and we have leads coming in, we'll then go clean up our operations, right? That tends to be a common default reaction by a lot of business owners. Would you agree? I would. And and I want to make sure that I'm really clear on here. I don't think you should start building out a a huge infrastructure first. Mm -hmm. I think you should get proof of concept on your offer, your idea, your product first. But what ends up happening, because I think the way that we're wired is we go get that proof of concept and we go, holy crap. It People sells, it works, this. let's blow it, it up. It sells, it works, let's jam it. Right, right. right? And, and you have to get that proof of concept and you just have to take a little pause for a second and really just ask yourself, do I have everything in place for the perfect customer experience? And do I know what's gonna have to happen at step two, step three, step four? And what I mean step two, step three, step four is at different levels of sales and revenue, Mm -hmm. do you have that clearly mapped out so that you don't break your own system? Because it's very, very hard. And and I'll give you an example of this, Andrew. People love real life examples. My my wife follows this influencer online. I I won't call her out who the influencer is, but she decided that she was gonna launch a subscription box. Your wife or the? The, the influencer. Okay. This person has like, like I thought your wife points. was getting into the subscription business. I was no. like, man, you didn't even tell me. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> now, maybe in the future, but um, no, right now she's finishing her teacher's uh, degree. So she wants to go teach kids art. So, awesome, you know, man, great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. She's going to be a teacher like next that. year. It's amazing. It's awesome. So 
she follows this influencer, this lady built up this massive audience over five years. She had a reality TV show. She had all these things, like could do no wrong. Decides she's gonna launch a subscription box, gets the wrong advice from the wrong people, wrong operational setup, launches this thing, whole website goes down first day, right? People can't process their orders. People are in queue forever. An absolute cluster bomb of a launch. Like something like 20,000 people hit the site because she's been building it up for like a month. Didn't space it out, didn't do test runs, didn't check the tech, didn't whatever. I watched this lady literally spend a week apologizing on social media constantly with nothing but pissed off people, wow. right? Because, because her mind was like, it's time to monetize, to capitalize on what I've built, but didn't have either the right people, maybe not the right COO or the right, you know, tech team. Tech like, team, oh, whatever, it all falls under, right? Tech it all team, falls under operations, right? Marketing director, whatever. And and it, re it really, really hurt her brand mm -hmm. because you don't get the, a second chance to make negative, a first impression, right? Yeah, the negative feeling from her her audience was astronomical, Ugh, right? Boy. I mean, she was still dealing with backed up orders something like four weeks later, people trying to trying to trying to process orders, right? Man, that's somebody reaching too far too fast. Yep. She could have done a little sample test, got feedback, checked the tech, checked the customer service, checked the process, you know, mapped out her operations better, and then gone. Yeah, you know, and maybe even said, "Listen, I'm gonna, do, you know, I'm gonna do an offer for like the first hundred people, and I'm gonna actually figure out." Great idea, right? Just don't go blow it out to the public, but maybe blow it out to a sliver of the public. Absolutely, and channel it a little bit and control it so uh -huh. that topic of the day here, or topic of 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 the you know the first part of the topic, so that she can get operations in order to then go scale it. So it's like two steps back to take three steps forward again, right? Right. So because if you do that, because out. we are so impatient today, right? I mean, that's, yeah, and, and, and that's okay, the, right? I'll take it. the marketing in, piece down, yeah, right? I'll, like, listen, I'll take an impatient person any day of the week over somebody who's overly patient and doesn't have a lot of urgency, right? No question. There's, there's no question. And that's why I'm saying like, I'm not about like making everything perfect before you do anything, right? And getting the perfect operational structure because that takes a lot of money and a lot of time and a yeah. lot of blah, 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 blah. But, you know, before you start going hog wild and before you start going crazy, hold on one sec. I'm doing my show. Can I help you? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. All right. So, AC guy again? <laughs> no. Actually, that was my wife. I think she just brought my son home because he's sick or something like that. Uh oh. So, uh, she had, you know, she had her marketing down pat. She built the audience. She built the rapport. She built the trust. She built with everything, Right. I don't know what her sales process was like on the back end of the subscription box, right? But clearly the operations was like way second thought, like yeah, way, yeah. way, way down the line. There you go, second thought. Right, so as a result, really tarnished the brand, lost a ton of orders too. Something like 10,000 10, orders couldn't be processed. Like we're talking about real money here. Could just trying to reach too far too fast. Wow, that's a meltdown. It was a complete meltdown. It was painful to watch. I actually put her in touch with one of my friends who who um, has 10 subscription boxes. He's an absolute monster in that area. When when she was melting down, I said, do you want to talk to my buddy here? Because clearly his team knows what your team doesn't, right? So we want to reach out and help her. And I think they actually ended up connecting. Wow, that's amazing. But, you know, you the, the big thing for me is you have to you have to have mathematical models in each part of these three key pillars. You have to know how many business units you're gonna need for how many sales units and operations, right? In your sales team, you have to know how many conversions you're gonna do per salespeople, you know, per salesperson. You have to know what their max they can take per day is if they're booking sales appointments to make sure that they're getting efficient follow-up and time to recover and, and all that kind of stuff. And in your marketing, you have to have models to know exactly what you can afford to pay for each type of product that you sell in order to be able to scale safely mm -hmm. and consistently and not go upside down in your business. Right. Right. So you almost have mathematical models in each one of these main tranches to ensure that you're safe and you can scale consistently. And if you don't, if you just go, you know, 
I'm just going to go, you know, balls to the wall and hope for the best. You know, we've seen what happens. Right. But that's also not a scaling mindset. So we're talking about scaling the business today. So exactly what you just said, she didn't have a scaling mindset. She had a right now make money mindset. That's, that's different. Right. That's very different. And if you find that you're in that, that, that spot where I need to make money right now, I need to go do this launch. It's okay to need the money. It's okay to want to go raise money. And it's okay to be able to sell your way to funding. I love that. I, I love it when you can sell your way to capital versus going and borrowing capital. But you better be damn sure that the operation is ready to handle it. Because if it isn't, it'll be the quickest in and out money making event of your life. And that's, well, and we, and, that's and we have, not a good thing. No, and we have a friend and, and I won't dime him out here either. But you remember him from <laughs> Would you 10, say 15 dime years ago. What's that? Did you say dime him out? I did say dime him out. So you remember that on ESPN? Remember when uh, um, one of the quarterbacks was the commentator and he was like, he was always using that term. You just threw a dime. Throwing dimes. It was, uh, uh, his name will come back to me. So the guy you dimed out, go ahead. Yeah, we'll just, well, I won't, I won't, I won't say his last name. You'll remember my friend, our friend Jimmy, Jimmy, right? Okay, Jimmy. If you remember our friend Jimmy, we had an event, we had a live uh, marketing event you and I were doing, I don't know, a couple thousand people in the crowd Ooh, this in Las probably Vegas. all the way back to like 2008 or nine or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he had this amazing product that helped you attract leads into your business. And then, and, and, and you know, it, it, it was your own personalized sales funnel and all oh, this. I remember stuff. this now. If you remember this, yes, right? And I just don't I remember think, what happened. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a, I think there was 2000 people in the crowd and he sold something like 500 of them. Um, at one shot, I know he did $110,000 in sales in an hour. So, and he was 24 or something like that. Like ph phenomenal result, right? From he probably spent it all in Vegas that night, right? Yep. Yep. Even phenomenal though the money didn't result. hit the, even though the money didn't settle yet, it was coming. So it's cool. It, it was coming, <laughs> right? So phenomenal job of the marketing, phenomenal job of the sales, but he didn't actually understand what it was going to take to fulfill what he sold. Got it. And he was supposed to fulfill all of these things within 30 days. And it was something like six months later, still half of them were not fulfilled yet. Oof, I, do, I, I vaguely remember though. And, 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 do you remember? And you guys got the kickback because yeah, you absolutely. own the company. So the kickback came to you for the, right? That's right. Yeah, we did like a 50-50 split or something like that. Yeah. But your he, stage, your event, all of a sudden you're in the, you're into that conundrum now. Well, we were in the conundrum and we just basically said sort your life out because you're the one who sold it and it's your team. But what he didn't realize is the amount of man hours that yeah. it was going to take to fulfill and he didn't realize the amount of back and forth it was going to take with the customer and he didn't realize like he didn't he didn't know he didn't have standard operating procedures to to be able to say to the customer like we're done. You know, there's no more, there's no yeah, more like We can only take 200 units because I've done my math and I know we can only fulfill 200 units. We're not just going to sell 500 to have a payday, right? That's right. And, and that's, and, and that's what happened. He did not have that model. Or that mindset, out. which is what it is more than anything. It's a discipline to not versus discipline to do, right? Sometimes the, the hardest disciplines in life are disciplining yourself on what not to do. Not, right? right? I mean, I, I got to discipline myself not to sell 500 because I can only handle two. That's a tough thing to do, Right. It is because we see the excitement, we see the money, we see the, the growth, we see the scale. And you don't want to miss out on customers, right? I mean, and we don't want to miss out, right? But what we don't see, because it, 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 again, I think it's like we're not wired this way, is we don't see the impending doom that's about to happen on the back end and how hard it is to recover yeah. when you piss off a bunch of people in your industry. And, it, and I don't know if you remember this part. It, he disappeared for like four years after that. He that, didn't recover he, that from that one, mentally. That one event, that one yep. stigma stayed with yeah, him. Yeah, he didn't recover mentally or financially from that for almost four years. I, I remember that also. I just didn't realize how much of it was tied to that component. Yeah, almost 100% of it. Wow. So you would know that I wouldn't, but that's interesting. Well, wow, so yeah. Know, not that we were going to go here today, but man, this thing can have a really bad downward spiral effect if you let it, right? Absolutely. Stress, finances, yeah. uh, reputation damage, you know, stuff could stay online and not leave. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of collateral damage that can happen with the shitty operation. And, and yeah. before we go on to the other two, do you have any recommendations? And maybe I have a few here also on what can people drill down on? Is there a book? Is there a course? Is there a concept? Is there something online that somebody can get some 
inside information or just a little bit more of a deep dive on how do I structure a basic operation to be able to fulfill at scale? Yeah, there's two that I like. One is called EOS. Yeah, it's called the, I, the I, Entrepreneurial I, Operating System. My mastermind system. client group, Aaron, swears by EOS. Mm -hmm. EOS is very in-depth and, and what it, what it uh, demands of you is it demands of you to think about your business at 10 times the size today, which That's most it. people can't wrap their mind around. Like right. most people big are elite. trying, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to grow my business by 50% a year, mm -hmm. right? To think 10x where I'm at today, that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around. But they really demand that of you and they demand that you build out your operational model, your hierarchy, you know, your operating system to 10x so that there's never any questions of what has to happen next at, at each revenue, you know, step. You now, just know, like the, the map is planned out. Yeah, and I, I know it well. Do you know, Do you, are you saying to do the EOS model or to read about the EOS model? Because didn't EOS stem from the book Scaling Up? Um, I think, it, yeah, I mean, I think it did. Um, I, the, I wouldn't recommend the EOS model for, for companies probably doing less than maybe a million dollars a year in revenue because they're expensive. Like they're, 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 they're yeah. I, I say expensive. Yeah. You're investing great. in that process and that's, you're investing that's, in that process. And, and yeah. Right? But scaling up is a phenomenal book and I would highly recommend that people read it. EOS, if you're in that sort of seven figure and above range to just have everything super, super, super dialed. Um, there's another book by, um, a COO that worked with me two years ago, his name is Raul. He wrote a book called Productive Profits, fantastic book. Um, little plug for Raul today. And uh, another guy I follow is uh, Cameron Harold. Do you know Cameron Harold? No, I don't think so. He started 1-800-GOT-JUNK, scaled it up to a billion dollar company. Wow. And now his primary focus is in training who he calls the number two. And then he's like, oh, the CEO is the number one, and the number two is the COO. The next and, guy in line. Yeah, he's got he's got a, a, a tremendous amount of information. If you follow him on social media or or his sites, or um, he has a one on one program as well, training COOs. Good information. Uh, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I was watching CNBC last week, and you know, Warren Buffett of Berkshire Hathaway is like ninety two. Yeah, he's still the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. It's fascinating to me to watch, and they're actually having a conversation right now about. I think finally. Warren Buffett is ready to discuss his number two. I'm like, the guy's 92. He's having the conversation now. Isn't that amazing? So he's like really now finally ready to let go and hand off the reins as CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most successful, richest companies in the world, by the way, to his number two. 92. I hope I can be 92 talking about my number two. That's incredible. I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I love it. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Warren Buffett. And, you know, I, I had to... I had to learn this lesson the hard way, you know, I the had to start. Lesson? Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, you, you and I've known each other for a long time. I'm an idea person that wants to run hundred miles an hour and promote something as fast as I can. And you know, when I go into a project, if we're not doing a million dollars a month by the end of the year, I'm, I'm annoyed. Right. And, and I've had to learn over the last couple of years that that is not the definition of success. How fast you scale your revenue is not the definition of success. How consistently, how stable you are, how what your customers think about you and their experience with your business is significantly more important than how fast you grow in revenue. Because slow up is slow down. And by the way, that's exactly what you just said right there is stability. That's what stability is. Right? When you have stability, yeah. you have the foundation for scale. When you don't have stability, you don't have the foundation for scale. You're on a wobbly foundation versus a concrete, cement, stable foundation. And that's sometimes a place you don't notice. You don't, sometimes you don't notice that you're on an unstable foundation when you're ready to scale. And you scale and you have the situation that just, you just mentioned. Yeah, and when you look at, like, we have multiple businesses together. We have multiple businesses apart. You know, when we look at, at, at our joint businesses, you know, they're up two, 300% year over year 
in revenue, right? But because we're masters of sales and digital marketing, that could have been a thousand percent. That could have been 2000%. We could have taken outside capital if we wanted and jammed it. (laughs) But what would have been the outcome, right? The outcome would have been poor customer experience, poor, you know, reputation, um, versus, you know, the, the tribal fans that we're building. Mm -hmm. Right. But still with all that being said, we're still up 200%, 300%, you know, year over year. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's getting easier. And I think you would, you would agree in all of our businesses, it's getting to the point where we literally could walk away anytime we want for a week and nothing's going to explode. Nothing's going to blow up. It's a good place to be, by the way. Yeah, there's a difference between scaling at a level that you can have a life and scaling at a level where you're running around with your hair on fire. Working 15 hour days, fulfilling everything, doing a million roles, right? Just Not putting out fires left and right. Place, pop, pop, crappy pop, pop, operation. Pop, pop, pop. Right? Right. And the systems will save you, right? It, yep. it, I used, I, Andrew, don't you remember back in the day when we used to talk about like big corporations? We'd be like, big corporations. Losers, you know, old, archaic dinosaurs can't move very fast, can't pivot. I talk about it still to this day. As, as rich as some of these companies are and as valuable as some of these companies are in society today, they still are, don't have the agility of a small business. They still get stuck in their ways. They get pressured by shareholders to do all kinds of things they don't want to do. So there is some stupidity there still, for sure. There, there is. And, but the reality is, is that when you're, you know, sub $10 million a year in revenue, maybe even sub $50 million a year in revenue, you can be pretty nimble and you can pivot pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about 100, 200, $300 million, there's so many things that operationally have to be perfect. There's so many people checking boxes. There's so many people making sure that things are done right, that to pivot is more difficult. Yeah. Because there's just been so... Do you know how many things you have to have in place to run a $200 million a year business and make sure that things don't break? People, process, layers, layers of people, layers of operations, layers of you have to systems, layers of tech. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. You have to, right? Um, if you can take that mentality and put it into a million dollar a year business, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I just looked at I just looked at the org chart of before this this call of um, a friend of ours Ezra Firestone who runs a, a business called Boom by Cindy Joseph. I think that business right now is at like I don't know maybe forty million dollars a year. Skincare. Yeah, skincare. Um, and I was looking at his org chart earlier today. I only think there's like maybe thirty people. Not not in- terribly heavy. Maybe 40 at a lean, max. Lean machine, cut and dry product, cut and dry fulfillment, right? Just figured out yeah. operations. It, but the operational structure that he's put together is brilliant. Yeah. Right? Where everybody's got their zone of genius and everybody's got their, you know, things that they have to excel at. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need a two, 300 person business, you know, support system, right? To, to run it, it just needs to be done properly so that, and, and their customers love them. At Boom by Cindy Joseph, they love them. They're super fans, right? I know we spent a lot of the first part of the yeah. The- so it brings us to, to to marketing now. So now you're sort of ready to go, right? Now you have a foundation in place. House can be built, windows can go up, walls can go in, roof can go on. That sales and marketing and customer development and fulfillment, and that's when you can really get aggressive. And when you're that's- in a position where you can get aggressive, it's a great position to be in. A lot of people are not in a position where they can get aggressive. They're timid, not aggressive because they don't have the backdrop of a stable foundation like we talked about really for the first 30 minutes, right, is operations and why that that stability is so important if you're going to scale so that you don't get into trouble with your sales and marketing. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and as we pivot to the sales and marketing side, yep. you know, a lot of people think they're the same thing. They're, they're not really, you know, especially if there's humans involved. Sales is sales managers, sales team, sales follow-up processes, customer experience, you know, it's those things. Marketing is putting your messaging and your product in front of people to bring them to the sales process, right? So when you talk about sales, 
in particular in scaling, you know, we, we've covered a ton of this in our previous shows, right? And we need to talk about sales before marketing, by the way, because if you don't have a sales process in place, again, it kind of, kind of dovetails into the operations. If that sales, maybe you're the salesperson, fine. If that sales process isn't embedded securely in place and you go promote the daylights out of your business, you have a winning ad on CNBC, you have a winning ad on Facebook, and all of a sudden you get a couple thousand leads and a few hundred customers, and the whole thing's a mess from a sales standpoint, we're back to the scenario in operations. Exactly, and and this is the first, one of the first things we look at with new clients when they come into scale. How do you sell now? Is I basically, you know, we create a model Right, and the model is like, how much is the first click gonna cost? All the way to what's the last conversion on the last product that they might see as far as we can into the sales process. Mm -hmm. And we look at the conversions all the way from front to back, and we figure out if it can be profitable at scale, right? Because maybe it can't be. Because maybe it can't. And, And I think that's one of the biggest things that you and I see all the time is that, you know, people don't have an effective enough sales process on their back end to introduce other products, more products, to keep people on longer, to you know convert on the front end at a high enough level. Maybe their pricing is too high, too low, and they don't look at the math to really define you know, what it's going to take to be profitable at scale. Right, because if you want to boil down scaling and competition in the marketplace, he who can afford to spend the most always wins. To get a customer, correct. Yeah. If I if if you it, can it, only it spend, isn't, it is every when I heard that for the first time it was probably twenty years ago. Right, you yeah. hear it and you're like, man, that is so counterintuitive. It almost doesn't make sense. Why would I want to spend the most amount of money to get a customer? And the answer is because nobody else can. Correct. That's the answer. Well, and, and then you go, talking, whoa, I just separated myself totally from the pack. Yeah. And we're talking about scaling here, right? When, when we're talking about like micro niche, micro product, micro service, your return on your ad spend, your return on your investment is always very, very high because you're spending very little. You're going to a super targeted niche. They already get it. They don't have a lot of questions, blah, blah. But when you want to scale, all of a sudden the audience has to become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger your audience becomes, the less they know about you, your product, your industry, your solution. They're probably less interested because they're getting into further and further circles away from your core avatar, Mm -hmm. right? When that happens, you have to spend more in marketing money to acquire that customer because they're not at that buying point today, right? They might be, in, they might have to learn about you for a while and the buying point for them might be six months down the road. Yeah. So as a result, your costs go up and up and up. And we see this with our clients all the time where they come in and they like, say, well, I can why only is my cost per acquisition continuing to go up. We were solid right. for so long. Right. And now it's like, what's going on? Nothing's changed. Right. right? It's because it's a little bit of fatigue, one, right? A little bit of fatigue. One, they're either fatiguing a very small audience, mm-hmm. right? Or two, they're wanting to scale into bigger and bigger, less aware audiences. And as a result, they have to pay more because they have to do more marketing and more education to that clientele before they're actually going to be willing to bite because mm-hmm. they're not in the buying, you know, decision making process today. Right, right, right. Right. And we have clients that have come to us and said, okay, well, I want to pay $50, you know, cost per acquisition for this customer. And we say, okay, and then all of a sudden we double, triple, quadruple their ad spend and they're at $200, right? And they say, oh my God, you know, I can't afford to be spending $200 on a customer. No, you can't afford to be spending $200 on a customer if you've got a model that can scale, right? And how do you create a model that can scale? You have more products, you have a deeper product line, you have more premium things on the back end, you have better retention, you have better return customer numbers, right? That was one of the things with Ezra that blew me away was- um, Back end? Dude, I remember like, I think he showed me his numbers the first, the first year in Boom, and there was a chart of new customers versus return customers. 
right? And obviously you want return customers because they don't require a whole lot of marketing spend, yeah, it's right? it's a compound effect. They're just, their cars are getting hit every month. Yeah, he, I think he called it the halo effect, which I like that term. Compound right? effect, halo effect, and yeah. In the first year, I think his return customers was like 10% of overall revenue, right? In the fifth year, it was like 60% were return customers. Wow. What do well, you they think? Just, they love the product, obviously, too, and they love the, the community, right? Right. That all comes down to great sales, marketing, and operations, right? They did an awesome job at nurturing their people, creating the ultimate customer experience, making them feel good about what they were buying, like... Mm-hmm. So on and so forth, right? It was all those things that we talk about is they had their back end so dialed in and figured out that they didn't have to just go and keep churning through new customers in and out the door. You know, their sales and marketing could bring in a certain amount of people, but once they were in, man, they were in. They were they were they were they were fans of the business. Let's go to marketing now. Kind of ties together, right? I look at, I wish I had an yeah. image to put up, right? It, it, like, think about this as like a wheel. Right. Or, or three legs of a stool, right? If one of these is wobbly or one is missing, the whole thing sort of folds, right? It's like a trifecta approach. You have operations, you have sales, you have marketing, and the wheel goes around and around and around and around. If one thing gets pulled out of, the, out of there, you have a monster hole in your business, sort of like three legs of a stool. You remove one leg of the stool, stool tips over. God forbid you remove two legs from the stool, the stool doesn't stand a chance, right? It's that. It's operations, it's sales, so that you can promote, so that you can be in Correct. all forms of media, so that you can be omnipresent. And that's Correct. marketing. And that's your marketing, right? And, and, and by the way, you know, counterintuitively, it's last. Yeah. But I everybody mean, wants I, to go first. I, I think you'd go, I think you'd do that first proof of concept, and then you take a step back, and then you build because you have proof of concept, right? And I think that's the key lesson here, Aaron, is that, is that, you can't go build an operation for six months to then all of a sudden realize your product doesn't sell. So you're in a lot of times as an emerging entrepreneur with a new product line, you're in a little bit of a conundrum. How do I attack that? What if I mm-hmm. go build this elaborate operation and then I realize I can't sell the thing? Big right. problem. Go figure Huge out problem. if you can sell the thing at a small scale first. That's the big takeaway, right? To a right. sliver of an audience. Correct. So you don't make the same mistakes in the three examples we gave you earlier right? Can I sell this? Is there proof of concept? Maybe I'm just going to go out and acquire five or six customers and then shut it down and figure out, will they stay? Do they still, will they ascend? Can I move them to the next level? Will they refer? Will they pay continuity? A lot of things you can ask yourself. Then I have the data and the information I need to be able to go scale, right? I think that's the big takeaway is you don't have to wait and see and hope that the operation that we build for three months you know, is perfect before we then go market, you can absolutely sliver into it. Yeah. And and when it comes to scaling your marketing, I mean, I won't zone in on any particular channel. There's, there's a ton of different channels. Yeah, no need to. We've talked about it a million times. There's no shortage of places to be seen. Social media, TV, video. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer, you know, things like, you know, Google search and Facebook and Instagram because they're super quick to get in, get dirty, small budgets. Well, quick, well, quick test. I mean, you can prove concept for five hundred to a thousand dollars on an offer if you wanted to, in, in a week. Absolutely, no question about it. We do it all the time. Couldn't do that right? ten years. Couldn't do that twenty years ago. But when we're talking about scale, and this is what a lot of people come to us, you know, for because they're, you know, at maybe a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a month in their, you know, their their business digitally, and they want to get up to those higher levels. If you want to scale, like we just talked about, into bigger, less aware audiences. What has to happen is a couple of key things. One, your creative testing has to be rapid, on point, off the charts. I know what you mean, but ex- explain what you mean by your creative testing to... Right, so the- I'll, I'll, just, I'll just use one channel as an example, right? We were talking about this before the yeah. show. Um, we're, our conversions uh, for Pipeline Pro right now are off the charts. They're, they're the highest they've ever been. But we've been running that offer now for a year, year and a half. And how can we be running it for a year and a year and a half and have the highest conversion rates ever this, this week, game, right? Most people, what they do is they run the same creative that worked the first time, same image, same video, same ad copy, same audiences, and they burn it out. They keep just trying to spend more on the same thing, on the same thing, and then they burn it out. 
right? Create people get fatigued by seeing the same career. They start to get blind to it, right? And the, the more you're spending, the faster you're fatiguing the audience, right? So the more you spend, the more you've got to ramp up your creative and audience testing to stay ahead of that fatigue, right? The deeper you've got to get in something like your retargeting, right? So if you've, if you've got people who watched your videos a million times or whatever, you've got to maybe have 10 to 12 pieces of, of creative retargeting all of those video viewers to attack the different parts of their mind that are creating resistance to moving forward, maybe by sending reviews, testimonials, case studies, uh, you know, funny, engaging humor, uh, attacking big objections, big pain points. Like you've got to get better and better at your game and you've got to test quicker, right? You've got to know your math of what you're willing to pay for a click, what you're willing to pay for a purchase, an appointment booked, a lead, a sale, what, whatever you had. And you got to hold to your math and your model very, very tightly. And, and, and what that requires from you is, is significantly more output when it comes to the creative, the audience testing and the depth of how well you're willing to follow up with people who already know that you exist. And at scale, this most likely isn't you playing around with the Facebook ads manager, popping into Google Analytics. That's a starting point, but at a scaling yeah. point, this is a scaling conversation today. That eventually is a team that needs to do that Correct. daily. To and constantly I'm change up. things up and split test. I mean, I, I was jokingly saying the other day, I had somebody come to me the other day and say, do you think I'm ready for my own ads manager? Like, do you think I'm at a point where I should bring on an ads manager? Successful business, by the way. Yep. Doing the ads himself. I said, listen, you're not going to grow much more without one. Because an ads manager is going to come in and be a second set of eyes for you. They're going to run your ads. They're going to split test. They're going to bring you ideas. They're going to change creative. They're going to help you with changing up funnels. And they're going to be like, you know, a stock trader watching your portfolio all day long. That's what they're going to be like. They're going and that's to be their on sole it focus. all day. And, and, and that's their sole focus. They're yeah. not the CEO, the CMO, the, the customer service. The, their focus is math and ads. Right. So the longer you don't have one, I told him the bigger the chance as you get busier that conversion starts slipping away because somebody's not on it Correct. day and night. And you know this because this is the world you live in, but not the world I live in because I'm on the funnels and sales process side of things. But I value the importance of what we're talking about right now and vice versa. The ads manager values the importance of, hey, listen, if I'm going to go run ads for you and I want to stay on retainer for a long time, you best have a really good sales funnel that is constantly optimized or we both lose. Right, so, not just a sales funnel, but a sales team. That's it. A fulfillment Process. side, operation side. Because mm -hmm. if if I send you all of these leads and sales, and you drop the ball behind there, you're not going to make money. And if you're not making money, then you're not going to pay me, and I get fired. And so I'm doing my job, but you're not doing your job. One of happens the, all one, time. one of the one of the greatest frustration points for copywriters is this is you know because I've studied copy for a long time is when they write unbelievable copy could take two weeks to write the best copy ever. And they find out that it gets driven into a crappy sales process. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, like they're making a boatload of front end sales. But like we said in the beginning, it pains them to see it fall into a crappy sales process. Same with you, a traffic guy. Nothing pains you more than driving the best quality traffic to an offer, but yet the client or the project, the offer doesn't take care of the client. The offer doesn't convert, right? Maybe you can get the, right. the lowest cost per conversion you can, but they there's a disconnect with them hitting the web page and taking the next step, for example. That could be the offer. That oh. could be the sales team. That could be the fulfillment of the product on the back end. That can be, which is why we don't work with clients anymore unless we can see every single thing they're doing and give them the best practices. Or have the ability to change it in some cases, right? To be able to go yeah. in and actually handle, hey, let's uh, let's update the funnel. Let's change the traffic. Let's update the yeah. offer. Let's change the copy. Who's selling? Who's not selling? Do you have sales guys? Do you not have sales guys? I mean, again, a scaling conversation, there's a lot of moving parts from a sales and marketing standpoint that must be together synergistically or the whole thing will, I see it all the time, it will flop. All yep. I see day in, I feel like all I see day in and day out is meant as meant as much as we see these amazing success stories and we were able to architect a lot of amazing success stories. There's no doubt we see more failures than anything, right? It's like, it's baseball, man. It's, you get up 10 times, you're going to hit two times. 80% of the time, 
these businesses, they're missing one of these key elements. It's an operational issue. It's a marketing meltdown. It's an amazing sales process, but the promoting is weak or vice versa. And it's just, if you stay in these lanes, operation, sales, marketing, operation, sales, marketing, and you're constantly tweaking and dialing them in, you're going to stack the deck in your favor to win every time you promote. But if you don't, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And let me tell you something. One of these links is weak. There's nothing. There's no scale. There's no business. Kiss your money goodbye. It's nothing. It's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a delicate game. Scaling is a delicate game to play, I guess, is how I'll leave it off here. It's, it's a, a delicate. It's a high, it's, it's, it's a high energy, high stress game that I, I, I live in. It's an emotional roller coaster, man. I mean, sometimes we connect at the end of the week and we're just burnt. Oh, every with, day. <laughs> For you daily, right? I say, I say, burnt. I tell my wife there's been too much braining going on today. Way yeah. too much braining. Yeah, I mean, different conversation for a different way, but how to disconnect from that mayhem. You know, there's ways to do that too, but this is a delicate game. Scaling is, that's why we called it a tough talk on scaling because it isn't an easy talk. If you want to, and listen, you don't have to want to scale. You might no. be running a perfectly fine, clean lifestyle business that isn't so stressful and you're making the right amount of money and you're just kind of keeping it at that level. But listen, if you want to go to the next level and you want to scale, there's going to be some really uncomfortable things that will have to take place to get you to the next level. And they're all going to tie back to operations, sales, and marketing. By the way, in that order, operations, then sales process, then the marketing that puts them into the sales process that lands them into the operation. And that is the key. And I'm going to leave it there today. You have anything else to add? Uh, you, you wrapped it up. You're well. burnt because you're burnt. It's Friday. <laughs> we'll see I'm you ecstatic. All. I love Fridays. We will see you on the next episode of Sales Velocity TV. That's Aaron. That's I'm Andrew. And uh, if you love the show, you want to see topics that aren't discussed, that you'd like to see discussed, head over to salesvelocitytv.com. You can see all the past shows and you can get in touch with us over there as well. We'll see you on the next one. Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.